This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Ken. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And today, we're going to be talking about the Senior Bowl, get some reactions to it. I'm actually pretty excited to hear about Corey's reactions, coming and watching from home, seeing all the clips, versus my reactions to seeing it in person. But first, Corey with the news. Yeah, and first we'll head over to some injury news. Um, it was reported uh, widely from many major outlets that Riley Leonard had suffered or, or what had to undergo uh, ankle surgery, type rope surgery, actually, to be specific, and was going to miss uh, a lot of springtime. But there is some speculation about the severity of that surgery now. After he posted a picture of himself at off-season workouts with his team, uh, no brace on, sweating it out, doing a lot of the stuff he's doing. He says he's bouncing around. He's feeling great. So maybe there's some more optimism there uh, about the health of the future signal caller for the Irish, who is apparently going to be ready for spring practice now. So um, that'll help at least them work some chemistry out uh, with a lot of the new people coming into that room there. Um, heading over to some coaching carousel news. Uh, Boston head coach Jeff Halfley, he's on his way to Green Bay Packers to be their defensive coordinator. Um, I'm not sure we're super interested in anyone on Boston College roster right now for Debbie purposes. Maybe, maybe aside from Thomas Castellanos, you know, very small guy, mostly a rusher. Like if he somehow develops down the line, maybe we could become more interested, but um, not super interested there. Trayshawn Ward is did transfer in uh, just recently and Joseph Griffin, a guy we've talked about in the past that we thought maybe could have some upside at, at some point, but regardless, all these guys are going to have a 30 day window uh, for them to open up. If they want to test the water to see what's available, available to them uh, on the transfer market in Jeff Halfley's place. It's rumored now that Bill O'Brien is the leading candidate to take the, uh, to take the head coaching job. And he was just hired as Ohio state's uh, offensive coordinator uh, earlier this year. And I mean, from what I can see, he was officially hired. So, uh, like, I don't know if there's some contractual things there he's going to have to clear before he can actually move on from the Buckeyes. But it looks like Ohio State's going to be looking for a new OC after all this goes goes down. So um, that'll be something to watch there. And then one more offensive coordinator on the move. Uh, Kentucky's Liam Cohen, a guy that you've talked about before, is headed to be the OC for the Tampa Bay Bucks this year. Uh, and I'll get your opinion on it. You know, like, uh, are you happy about this move, him moving on from Kentucky? You know, is it more about who comes in to replace him? Like, what are you expecting now going forward for Kentucky? I'm not. I'm not happy. Uh, Kentucky only had one exciting offense. I really think, like one like passing exciting offense the last like 20 years. We've always been like a ground pound type of team. Um, so I'm always so Corey. I'm always chasing that high. Pretty much. I'm always <laughs> chasing that high to get another good passing <laughs> yeah. offense. Uh, so Liam Collins was there for like six years, and like I think the offense was probably really exciting the last like two or three years. So I, I'll, and I know he left for the Rams for a year, came back, had that bad year with Devin Leary. Now he's off to like the commanders. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit wondering, maybe he's just overrated. So like, that's still a possibility, but uh, I am a little upset he's leaving. Cause I have no idea who's going to replace him. I, I don't know any rumors and I'm, I've been meaning to DM Nate Marquise to ask him what small school coaches do I look, <laughs> look forward to moving up. Um, so I'm not happy because I don't know who's up next. I'm a little nervous, but you now I hope he succeeds. Yeah, and heading to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not the Commanders, like you said. They're actually, I should have mentioned that too. Oh. They did hire Cliff Kingsbury, who was an offensive analyst. I don't know what 
what actually he did at Uf- UFC if he had uh, a lot of role in the plays. That were there. But he, yeah, but he's actually the one <laughs> heading on to the commanders there. But I guess with Liam Cohen, a lot of people are, are kind of pointing towards this like this one game he had with with Baker Mayfield like two years ago when he filled in. Uh, when he was brought there for or a year, was it a year ago? Is no, because he was he there a year ago? It was the Rams, yeah, that was yeah, the Rams season. with Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, and then they're saying there's a connection there with that. I'm like, hey, come on, like, there's there was one freaking game. What kind of connection is that? But I guess, should I maybe expect a run heavy offense here? The Rashad White season, can I expect that from him? I don't think you want that, that's for sure. <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> I, I don't mind Rashad White, I think he did, I think he grew throughout the year, but okay, anyway, as a runner, as a runner, yeah, yeah, so okay. it, well, yeah. In all facets, he was he was kind of a multifaceted guy. But anyways, that's going to be the coaching carousel for the news, guys. There's not a lot of other news going on. So, you know, spring practices are going to be coming up. The workouts are coming up. So a lot more news to come uh, shortly here. But uh, for now, be sure you guys head over to the website at campus2canton.com where you can become a member with one of our many subscription options, some of which include access to our draft guides, uh, CFF projections, advanced metric tools, and uh, the CGC winning edge. I think it's going to keep you up to date on all the school depth charts, uh, the statistical projections, uh, the returning production. That new database just came out uh, this past week. It, it, that thing's a great cheat sheet for your upcoming drafts as well. So it might be the best source for the transfer portal out there as well. If you want to know where guys went, where guys ended up, you got it all in one place right there. Nice hub there for you guys to, to look at. So make sure you guys are checking out our family of podcasts and the youtube channel to help guide you guys through the off season all right we get into our player profiles first hey we guys we're talking about uh brian thomas and troy franklin we are kind of hitting the top first but i told Corey to hold off on odunze because i actually wanted to get another look at odunze mm-hmm. uh, but we're gonna be talking about troy franklin and brian thomas here let's we'll talk with troy first troy is listed at six foot three 187 pounds. Now, just for the record, Oregon does not list their weights on their website. I am getting this off PFF. I am not super confident that it's accurate. And I actually want to ask Corey, do you think he is six foot three, 187 pounds? No, I think that he was even like, I think there's a verified height out there at six two. I think that's where I expect him to be, but he is kind of slender. So I do expect him to probably be sub 200 pounds. Um, wherever he may end up under that, I don't, I'm not too sure, but he does kind of have a wiry frame. Okay, yeah, I would be surprised. If, I know it was like 187, but I'd be very shocked if he hit 190, probably closer to 180 for me. But um, yeah, he, and he was a recruit as a recruit. He was six foot two. So yeah, yeah. So uh, Troy Franklin had 81 receptions for 1,383 yards and 14 touchdowns his last year. Um, I I think maybe I'm underestimating him lately. So I'll just talk about what I like about him. I do think he's one of the best tempo manipulators out there as far as mm-hmm. like this class goes. Uh, very good at the hezzies or the slow goes, whatever you want to call it. But slows down, DBs kind of come in to initiate contact, and he just kind of like slides by him and has some really nice explosive speed to just get upfield, and that's how he kind of draws him in. Uh, I think that's just his signature move, and that's his thing. So I think that's what he does really good at the next well, at this level, and I think that will translate just fine to the next level. Uh, my concerns is I don't think he does many like crossing type stuff and slants i don't really think it's really a part of his game so in breaking stuff i don't really think is i don't know if he can like turn i think he's really good again these like straight line routes i'm just worried about his ability to operate in the middle and as far as like being skinny and working on the perimeter this is the first time we're seeing this and i know like at home you're probably well devonta smith and jordan addison they're different players uh so obviously if troy franklin does this just fine i'll never complain about why she were being skinny ever again in my <laughs> life um but I, I do want to like just 
I do want to recognize that he has good footwork. Like he does have good footwork, good hesitation. Like this tempo stuff is his bread and butter. All right, Corey, tell me why I'm wrong and how I'm underrating him. <laughs> well, I actually agree with some of the, some of the stuff you said there, you know, and uh, I mean, year over year, I love the, the growth that we, we saw from him, you know, even from the advanced, the advanced uh, statistics, you know, like yards per out, we're on uh, 1.43 as a freshman, 2.34 as a sophomore, 3.3 this past year, uh, yard, uh, his yak per reception went up every year, a couple of years, his catch rate increased, he got stronger at the catch point. So I really think that he is. Um, an extra receiver at, at the next level. You know, we've talked about the, the, the frame is a little bit thin. That's going to be one area that's going to be a little bit of a hangout for him. But I do think he attacks three levels uh, of the field. I know you think he's only a vertical threat, but I, I will agree with you in some ways that I don't think he operates within the numbers very much of the field. You know, it, it's slants, it's out routes, it's double moves, it's comebacks. There's some skinny posts in there, all mainly towards one side of the field. You know, there is a few crossers like here and there that they'll do it. But, but, but to me, like those are three level throats, just not like, in the middle of, towards the middle of the field. Right. You know, so that could be scheme related as well. You know, with guys kind of in specific roles at Oregon, but I think he does a good job, like kind of like settling into Joe uh, into zones. He doesn't like overrun his routes very much. Um, tries to remain an outlet for his quarterback when it breaks down. And, and he does have good technique. I love that you mentioned the tempo. Cause that was one of my notes as well. Um, I love his tempo off the line. There's not a huge variety of a release package there, but he does have the little hesitation or, or slow playing his leverage a bit and then speeding past a guy or something like that. You know, definitely an athletic guy. Um, probably a guy that will test, you know, low four fours, high four three. If I had to put a number on it, good pull away speed, um, good burst. I love the way he gears down, snapping back on those comeback routes a little bit, running that double move the way he's able to stop and then burst again. The one area that irks me to this day about his profile is the little bit of inconsistency with his hands. It almost reminds me of Zay Flowers last year. You know, there's the, there's these occasional lapses uh, in ball tracking that I that I feel like I see where he should be able to come down the ball with no problem, but just like mistimes it or misjudges it. Maybe maybe a lack also of those like wow type body control catches. You know, like like body contortion, all this kind of thing. He has moments, but it's like it's very inconsistent. You don't see it very much. You know, uh, fairly low contested catch rate, like like under forty percent last year, but over 60% last year. So you're seeing some of the inconsistency there in some of the numbers when you look for, when you look further too. So while I don't think he's perfect, I see an athletic X wide receiver that could be used similar to the guy you mentioned, like a Devonte Smith is used with the Eagles. He's not a guy that's used in like a lot of, a lot of intermediate routes and, and middle of the field routes. He is kind of like an outside wide receiver. I would like to see a little bit more consistency from those hands. And, you know, I want to see additional weight. I just don't think that that's going to happen at this point of his, at, at this point of his career, it's just kind of going to have to be something you accept or ding him for the way you look at wide receivers. They are getting more opportunities at the next level. These thinner wide receivers. So I am optimistic in this transition, but like, yeah, like for me, I am a little bit higher on him, I think, than at least our website is. He's currently my wide receiver four, um, probably in contention as a, a back of first selection for me in rookie drafts. He's my six, thanks to dropping Tez Walker, who I just watched this year or this week, does not be able to beat any type of physical game, which means he's <laughs> yeah. kind of scared for Troy Frank because I don't think that's part of his game either. Um, so he is six for me. I just want to recognize he does have good footwork. I also... Like, like these tempo type manipulations, I think those routes are a little bit like long developing rather than like like the little quick little slot guys, you know what I'm saying? Get off the line and just go. So I, I think we're not there at this point yet. We're not doing NFL like analysis for his like landing spot. I, I don't think you can go to like a quick, a quick system, like a high tempo quick system that's like get off the line, short pass. Like, I don't think that's his game. So yeah. I will say like, if you watch like the Colorado game this year, like they ran him like on slants a bunch of times oh, in yes. that game. Okay. Like, like, I don't know if it was, I don't, I don't know if it was Stanford too, or they were using him on a bunch of screens. Like there is, 
there is aspects to his game that I wonder if we're more organ, more organ scheme based than actually like, like because he couldn't do it or something like that. So maybe yeah. I'm a little bit more optimistic in that sense of what, of the unknown. I just want to say this because you mentioned Colorado. I'm glad you did that. He has three <laughs> okay. snaps in line, like just hand in the ground in line. And I saw mm-hmm. them on, on Colorado. Dude, they're just trolling. They're trolling out there. They just had him lined up on the outside of the tackle. And he goes around the formation to get like a little short pass. I yeah, like, I see. he did, did that a couple. I saw it in a couple games, actually. But they did, did do it more Texas frequently Tech in that game. Portland yeah. as well, too. So like, yeah, they're already yeah. blowing teams out. It was like, dude, they're just out there like getting the ball in his hands. Hey, and that's what we do for like, your playmakers, though. You know what I mean? You get the ball in, in your playmakers' hands. So okay. Do I thought play. they were just trolling because they were up already early. <laughs> probably. It's probably more so. <laughs> it's cool to see teams have fun you ready for uh brian thomas let's do it all right brian thomas jr i'm getting his measurements up i believe he's listed at six foot four 205 yep cool uh failed possession slot receiver that was like a sophomore year he was just not uh, and freshman year he's just really isn't i don't think i don't He's a possession guy. This year he's put outside. He's a more in the field stretching role, like a deep ball specialist. And I think he just excelled at it. He has this insane wingspan. I don't know what it is. We'll see the measurements, but I'm sure he'll be like an upper 90th some percentile type wingspan. Mm-hmm. Combined with his height at 94 inches or 94 inches at six foot four, like those are very tantalizing traits. And I'm sure he's going to run a very fast 40. So I think this, as far as like field stretchers go, might be one of the best we've ever seen in a long time as a prospect. Um, I don't think he does stuff well. Unlike Franklin, I think Franklin's got the tools for it, but I don't think Brian Thomas can operate in the middle at all whatsoever. His release too, have you watched it? Like his release is like this exaggerated wide step. Like he wants to go around dudes rather than he he does that too. And I also thought that there just wasn't much of a package there. Like he's it's yeah. either a speed release trying to get like a, whatever package he gets, or it's just like a slow step to like the outside. Like there there just wasn't much there from refinement standpoint. I don't think. Yeah, I don't like the release either. It's it's one of those things where like he gets going, he gets going. So if the yeah. play is long developing, like he's a home run threat at any, like any time a play is like a little bit long developing. Um, so not really a footwork guy for me, but I do think he's just insanely fast, gets past the, the like the line. And then like, I don't know, like these, some of these corners or some of these corners, excuse me, some of these safeties, for example, are like five foot 10 and he's six foot four with these insanely long arms. I think, I just think that's the recipe for a success at the next level. There's certainly a role for it. I do find him, a one-trick pony. Like, I don't know if you can really call up too many plays besides that. Maybe some screens. I thought, looking back, I thought he had more screens at LSU than he did. I don't think so. But I think at the next level, yeah. they could probably do some screenplay stuff too. So screenplay or deep ball, that's probably what I'm looking for at the next level for him. Yeah, it sounds like we're actually like like closer than we are further apart. Kind of like like Troy Franklin, we're a little bit farther apart there. But with Brian Thomas, it sounds like we're kind of like on the same wavelength where we kind of there there we think he's less refined than people are giving him credit for. I think you know really interesting profile, like long athletic kid, um, stepped up in like his freshman year, broke multiple year one zero thresholds. Um, but then, you know, never really built on in that year too. And I think that's some of the people's question questions that they have on their mind is what happened in that second year. And we've talked about it a bit. I think LSU kind of used him in a very weird way, uh, kind of a little bit of misuse. 60% of his targets came within nine yards uh, in that year. They, they turned him into a possession wide receiver. That wasn't really his game. Not, not a monster yak guy. Um, does some okay things in the screen game, like you said, but generally not the better parts of his game. Year three, they go back to the bread and butter, the vertical game, and it essentially exploded. You know, I, like I personally even found myself questioning what type of he had after that second season but i think that 
he kind of cured it a little bit watching him this year. There was great hands at the catch point, uh, good concentration, climbing the ladder, catching the ball over, over defensive backs, full extension. He had some of those wow catches that uh, I just spoke about with Troy Funton that I didn't see. He had some of those, you know, and good contested catch numbers over the year, over 50, over 50% this past year. I just, yeah, I do think he's a little bit more raw. I think he's more one note than he's given credit for, especially with how high he's ranked in some places. I mean, uh, I know you like to say Franklin has that one dimensional route tree as well, but I thought even more so with Brian Thomas. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, I agree with yeah, like there's there's little technique off the line. There's it, it, there's not a lot of manipulation during the stem of his routes either. You know, like even little like subtle head fakes, some false steps. Like I wish I just saw a little bit more of that when I was watching him down the field a little bit more. So while I do think there's plenty of upside in the profile, especially as an early declare who who was potentially misused for portions of his career, uh, I do think there's parts of his game that could continue to develop as well. I just, you know, this, these profiles actually do have some similarities to them in, in, overall, but I just think Franklin's probably the more refined prospect and Absolutely. Thomas may be having like, like more traits with, with size and hands and stuff, but just needing a little more refinement at the next level. Uh, body adjustment type stuff. You think? Yes. Yeah. Brian Thomas more. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But okay. like everything at the catch point, I like better with Brian Thomas, but everything else up until the catch point, I like better with Troy Franklin. Yeah, I got you there. Yeah. I agree with you there. I think that's enough said for these two guys. Uh, do you think either one of these guys is a first round NFL pick? Like, I don't do you know. Think they should go like, there or not, are they going to go there? Do you think, like, if you were a GM, is this where you would? I think if Brian Thomas went in the first round, that would be my first selection for a guy that I'm fading as a first round selection. Like, you know, out of the first round picks, like Zay Flowers was yeah. that guy this year, everybody faded. Like, he would be the guy that I would fade if he, if he went, you know. Probably both work better as like early day two picks or like round two picks, in my opinion. But I mean, could one of them sneak in, especially if, if one of them hit, hit that four three number vertical up forty one mm-hmm. inches? Like, yeah, I do think there could be there could be some back of uh, first potential here. I could just yeah, I can see the like the tool with Brian Thomas. Like he has a, a role, but like I feel like people could be like this could be a really elite role for our team. Take him in the yeah. first, and then with Franklin, they could see like, well, wow, that footwork's pretty sweet. We can probably do a little bit more with that. Yeah, I, I think both these guys are. Second rounders, and well, for me, I, I would take him in the second, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if either one of these guys go in the first. Um, I just, I, I hate one trick ponies, I just could never do it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> well, let's get into the senior bowl. Corey's actually going to be driving the ship here on this one since I went. I'm sure we'll probably actually be going back and forth, but Corey, I would like you to take the wheel. Yeah, so I mean, like, I don't know if most of you know, I'm sure most of you know anyways, if you've been watching any of our content be dropping, Mike's Twitter's been off the off the chain lately with all the stuff he's dropping there. Um, but he was down uh, on the ground there in Mobile watching the Senior Bowl. So I really wanted to get his overall feelings on on this year's group. And, you know, even so much, you know, the people you met, you know, you did the favorite part of your trip, the worst part of your experience, you know, how you, how you viewed some of the guys outside the skill positions uh, that, w- that we usually look at. Like, like, how did you feel overall kind of your week experience there at the senior bowl? Yeah. So just talking from the player centric standpoint here, like it was definitely a much better group. And I was kind of joking around the slack saying like, if you just take this roster and make it an NFL team, like it's the today New England Patriots, a little <laughs> better receiver core. Yeah. Um, like, but I, I actually like this had like they had this is a really really strong like team. They have really good offensive linemen there. I think the I can't I'm gonna mix it up. I want to say then whatever team had Morgan from Arizona, like they had the strongest offensive line, mm-hmm. and then the other side had the better defensive linemen. The corners were definitely better this year too. Like quite a few very talented corners. The edge class not so much. It was just Latu and I think Austin Booker from uh from Kansas was okay too. But like outside those two, very interested in the in the, in the edge rushers. Um, and then uh, 
Yeah, and you got to the running backs. Let's get back to the fantasy positions. We're all we're on this podcast for that, not for the other <laughs> ones. Um, the running backs as a group were very surprising to me. I was very down on them coming in, and I came away uh, very impressed. I, I thought a lot of these guys could be NFL-level pass-catching running backs, or all of them like across the board pretty much. Um, I think those are the most unpredictable as far as like actually touching the field. Um, I still think all of them are day three guys, but like Ray Davis certainly made money. Um, wide receiver group was the opposite. Very disappointed in that group. Uh, the three dudes that I thought would stand out, stand out. So like that was kind of like reading expectations. But some of the other guys that I was excited to see about kind of all fell short. So um, I don't want to do the whole like confirming my priors, you know, the, the way this kind of season is, but kind of yeah. felt that way for quite a few players. Quarterback room too was a little bit more exciting last year. And the tight end class was not as exciting as last year. Well, when I was talking last week, you were kind of talking about they, they seem to be keeping at least some some of the media kind of like away from portions of the field that you wanted to get a little yeah. bit of a look at. Did yeah. that actually affect a lot of what you were trying to look at while you were there? Yeah, so I couldn't. So, okay, so last year, they didn't like have security stopping you from getting onto the field. So mm-hmm. you just had a media pass. You could pretty much just walk wherever you wanted on the field. Um, they did better, but they had a lot more, a lot more security this year. They were not letting that fly. Um, and on top of that, too, for the media portion I was talking on Campus Life is that like you couldn't go past the 30 and you couldn't go farther than the closed hash. So that like little box is where they kept all the media people for the player interviews that were after practice, okay. which also gave players like a range to just go run to the buses or yeah. like the receivers were just playing catch from a distance. So it was like... <laughs> You were at easier way to stay away from you guys. <laughs> yeah, I think I think honestly, like there's like kids like heckling players for like their gloves and signatures, and they have like a whole bunch of like random merch for these players to sign. If those kids weren't there, we would get a lot less players because they have to go through the media to get these kids. So shout out to those kids for helping us out a little bit. A very generic uh, uh, questions here I have for you before we get into like more specific player stuff. But who was your favorite player you talked to? <sighs> We talked to a lot of the beefcakes. We actually did not talk to too many of the skill position players this year. I mean, I'm talking about like, I think we talked to 25 and like 23 of those guys were the non-skill position group. Maybe like Javon Cohen, the guard from Miami, like high character dude, high character dude. There was a linebacker, there was a a lineman from uh, Michigan. His name escaped me, but I I was asking him like, dude, they get rid of the taunting call, like, What's going to be your touchdown celebration? He's just like, oh, dude, I am, or your pancake celebration. He's like, dude, I'm pouring the syrup. I'm pouring the syrup over on baby. <laughs> so, um, so that was kind of my probably my favorite players there to talk to. Like, do you have yet the other side of that? Was there uh, without throwing too much shade at anybody? Was anybody the worst interview of the group for you? So me and Barnabas had a mission to be like more fun with our interviews. A lot mm. of just generic questions being thrown out there. Everyone's asking like players like, oh, who do you mirror your game after? And they they name some all-star. Like who wouldn't, you know? Like no one's going to say, oh, I mirror my game after Traylon Burks. I think he's great. Like no one says that. So um, we were trying to like have some fun with Jaquan Jackson. You guys will not be seeing that interview. I'm telling you that. And uh, <laughs> like he wasn't, it wasn't that he wasn't fun. He was definitely like skeptical. Like he was like high guard. Like these guys are trying to get, get me on something. And so he was, uh, he was not relaxed around us the way other people were. Did he do um, running back drills? Jaquan Jackson? No, but he did a lot of special team stuff and the running backs kind of like slid in with that. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because wasn't he originally listed as, or wasn't he listed as like a wide receiver running back when they first announced him? Yeah, a hybrid. That? Yeah, that's a good yeah. question. I didn't even think about that. I don't think yeah. I saw him running running back drills. No. So yeah, he's a little bit of an interesting guy. But anyways, let's get into uh, some of the player specific stuff here. Let's talk about the quarterback group that was here. Um, for those of you who don't know, Spencer Rattler was the MVP of the game. He was also voted the practice to the all practice team uh, offense quarterback. Um, obviously, probably of his side as well. I can't remember who won on the other team. Do you know who the other MVP of the other team was? Michael Penix. Oh, okay, so Michael Penn. Well, that makes sense. Who did he played a couple series of the game, but he actually backed out as well. I'm pretty sure of the game for the most part, anyways, which makes sense. Yeah, um, the rotate quarters of the actual game. Yeah, so I mean, probably Spencer Rattler gained the most from this. But in your opinion, who was your biggest riser out of this quarterback group? Who was? It seemed like at least on Twitter that it was kind of an underwhelming group. Yeah, I think that's because everyone had high expectations. But I would agree Rattler was probably the biggest guy uh, getting outside of that South Carolina system, which is, I think, very bland. And just, you know, he just stared at Leggett the whole time. Yeah. So it was cool seeing him get out of that. He had a really bad day one, like not sure coding it. But day two is really what matters. Day two is definitely the day that matters the most. Yeah. And day three, everyone's got solidified opinions. So shaking out some some jitters, kind of settling in by day three type thing. So yeah, the whole like chemistry narrative between Leggett was not existent day one. It was pretty bad. Like he was trying to throw it at Leggett, and it was just it was terrible. But um, that's the correct answer. And I I do think Pratt as well though. But that's just Pratt got recognition. He wasn't on the radar like these. I know like our company likes Michael Pratt, but like uh, like off like on a holistic scale, like he's like a mid day three. No one really cares. No one talks about him. Day one, he looks really good. People are talking about it. I'm talking to the guys like in the stands, the other content creators, and all of them like have Nix and Penix, like the top two, you know, like quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. But all of them don't like them. Like they're just talking about them. They're like, you just put them there because you think they're going to be drafted first. You're just kind of just following the hype. <laughs> it's not your actual individual yeah. thoughts. Like I would rather, I would much rather content creators actually write what they want to say rather than be focused on being correct. So, yeah. Michael Pratt looked good day one. Definitely had people talking, kind of trailed off a little bit. But, like, I'm seeing him more on mock drafts now. Like, he's definitely a name that people think about now. So, he's probably the other winner. Yeah, and another guy there who seemed to get some love this week anyways. I'm I'm not really sure why, but (laughs) Oregon quarterback Bo Nix, who keeps climbing in mock drafts all the freaking time I see. Like, what was your impressions of him there? Because I heard that he was struggling in the red zone a little bit. You wrote some pieces as well that he he was struggling throwing the ball deep, which is obviously something that we have talked about so much on this show. And as a company, we've talked about it a lot too. So so tell me why. What happened there that everybody all of a sudden is believing in him so much to, to start mocking him in the first round? I dude, I don't know. I, I think everyone just looks at his accuracy and his numbers. And now that yeah. this is like, I think it's all really think this, I think, yeah, I do. I think the senior bowl is day one of actual NFL people like looking at players or the NFL media looking at players, not the NFL programs. Um, So like everyone in the stands are calling a bubble screen bow, you know, and we <laughs> joke too. Cause like the running backs get noticeably excited when Bodix huddles to the, comes to the huddle. Cause they know he's going to throw a little two yard pass to them, you know? Like, yeah. So like, so, um, yeah, he wasn't stepping into his throws, like rarely ever stepping into his throws, doing a lot of short stuff like the the like, you know, the three yard out routes like they were throwing to those like throwing those a lot. And then on the deep stuff, when he did when he did take shots, he was rare. It was they were bad throws, like way over, just not it, horribly inaccurate. So that's who he was. That's who he was. 
Yeah, I think he like to to succeed at the next level. Like like for a first round quarterback for me, you have to be like scheme independent. You should be able to work in any kind of scheme and an offense, yes, and, yeah. and a coordinator should be able to build an offense around you whatever way he wants to. With him, I feel like there's just limitations there. Like like yeah, you could get you know Drew Brees when he like when he had like that six yard a dot or whatever that one year and with like broke accuracy records and, and all that stuff or whatever, but that's like one special circumstance. Like, are you going to, are you going to rely on Bonix to become that guy? I just don't think that's an, I would not bet on him within the first round. You know, you want to take him as like even a round three project quarterback. There's plenty of them that go out there. I mean, Kellen Mond was a freaking round three quarterback. So I mean, I mean I don't even like a, like a project, but like a placeholder, like he can yeah. run like a scheme. Like he's a system QB and he can run a scheme. And I think that's right. really a, about it. You don't ask him to do more than that. You don't ask him to clutch up. <laughs> yeah. Like I wonder if he could be a guy that maybe sticks around as a backup, can get into games and we've seen yeah. worse backups than that. So that that's kind of the, the, the path I see for him anyways. But on the other side of this whole entire scale, um, let's talk about some guys that, that possibly fell for you. I mean, to me watching it, um, at least uh, when I watched the senior bowl itself and, you know, just from the stuff I saw on Twitter, it seemed like Joe Milton was having a pretty rough outing out there. It's, it's hard to say that a bunch of other guys lost, lost value because, you know, they weren't viewed as that highly to begin with, but Joe Milton at least had a lot of hype coming into the season. Didn't exactly meet it that much, but still a lot of hype building up to the senior bowl as well. Hit, you know, shut off that arm. I think he was topping like freaking velocity ratings, farthest throw, yeah, all, yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. But, yeah. but he was just missing guys left and right from what I could see. Yeah, no. Uh, if you ever looked at this list and you asked yourself, which QB would fail in the Kyle Shanahan system? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the answer is glaringly Joe Milton out of all these guys. Oh, just uh, the worst accuracy. Like it was bad. No, it was so bad. And on short routes too, like he, you could tell he was like mentally thinking, like I gotta slow my arm motion down. And even then, like it would just throw it at their feet. I know there's that there's that clip floating the around. No look the, throw, the, the no look throw. The no look throw. Where he tries to like dump it off to the guy and misses him like crazy. But he's like, look, is that the one you're talking about? I think yeah, probably that yeah. too. It, it was really bad lacks touch too like he's just firing bullets at these players yeah um especially the tight ends i felt the tight ends were getting pelted like it was like it was like oh they're bigger they'll handle it and it's just it's just like give him more effort to give them some touch um so the, the arm was on display and i think he'll get drafted purely for the arm late day three type of guy and we'll never see him again um but he was clearly the biggest faller um yeah biggest faller yeah. Did did anybody there look just like completely out of place? Like like Carter Bradley. I don't think there was a lot of stuff said about him very much. Did he think, just look completely I, I out of place amongst this group? I or? don't think he even looked out of place really. Like okay. I like if you if someone wanted to get cheeky and said Carter Bradley raised their stock the most because he didn't have any stock. Yeah, because he didn't with. have one. Yeah. 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 And like like I, I think that would be like a funny response that's not objectively wrong, like outright wrong. But no, he he didn't look too bad. And I I think I've seen someone post like UEF grade for him. But if a team took him super late, I don't think I'd be upset. Like I'd be like, yeah, seventh round pick for Carter Bradley. He didn't look terrible out there. Yeah, I can't say I pay attention to him too much throughout the week, but it just seemed like there wasn't much, did. much good, good things coming out about him, anyways. But like looking at back at this whole group now, if you had to pin a day two pick on at least one or two or three of these prospects, which ones to you would you be okay with taking with on day two? I do think Brad Pratt, Brad Jesus. I still, I do think Pratt showed enough to get people talking about him as a project mm -hmm. um he had a lot of pathing issues meaning like I, I think he has trouble knowing if he used to throw it with velocity or he used to like rainbow ball it to arc it up yeah and i also think he puts balls like 
Like we, we quarterback throws, we don't have to throw it to only where receivers can get it. I think he takes it to the extreme, and I would really like him to put it like three or four inches closer to the wide receiver and not have yeah. him work for it so much. But I, I do think Pratt proved that he's a project, so I can see him as like a late third rounder. Not not higher than that, but like late third rounder. And I, I think Michael Penix. Yeah, I guess I, I should I should have just left that one out. Like Michael Penix, Bo Nix probably locks for day two, but I guess outside that group, Pratt would be your choice there for another day two pick. I think I think Nick's proved that he can't throw it that deep, so I think that takes him off day two boards. But I think Penix is like a, a pocket passer. He didn't do anything this week, but I, I don't think he looked terrible either. And if you look at some of his throws too, especially for like the one v one drills, like you'll see him missing players once they get open because he's trying to like like there's one for Ricky Pearsall. He runs a great route, like gets open, but he's like running kind of like across or like he's now going across the field. He's open, just waiting for the pass. And instead, Michael Michael Penix just throws it like deep, like over his head, like, yeah, like straight. And it was like that's because he wanted him to stack the receiver, and that might be the correct throw, but he doesn't have chemistry with players like that yeah, to make yeah. those throws. So, um, so uh, yeah. Anyway, he had a fine week, uh, although he looked really bad when he got pushed out of the pocket. Dude cannot reset his feet. He does not make these all platform throws. Like he always just throws like the. If he gets pushed out of the pocket, it's going to be like a five yard throw. Like he's not throwing that. Yeah, or he off. he needs to like find a place to reset or something. Like he can't, or he's throwing off his back foot or something, and then all the accuracy just goes out the window. And yeah, yeah. With yeah, Michael yeah. Pratt, I actually kind of saw some, at least from his tape, I saw some of the same things. Like I thought he looked really clean mechanically, like working well within the pocket, like even going through through progressions and stuff like that. It's, yeah. For for me, with him, it's when it, things became out of structure and he was forced out of the pocket that a lot of that stuff seemed to seem to kind of go out the window a little bit. Like even there was a couple of ducks I even saw on tape when he's trying to throw kind of like those off platform throws when he doesn't reset his feet. So that's one of the things that I'm, I'm kind of watching with him, see if he can kind of work out of structure a little bit. Um, I, I do think, ahead. sorry, with like Pratt, like Barnum's like, dude, his mechanics are clean. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. he's like, like too clean though. Like yeah. he's always <laughs> robotic, like his mechanics and he needs to like yeah. reshuffle his like priorities on some of his stuff. And I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so Spencer Rattler, not a day two quarterback for you. No, I don't. I don't really think so. No. I, I still, I, think... I still kind of like him a little. Like, I, I just think there's, there's arm talent there. Right. And I just yeah, wonder yeah, if... I, I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I, I think he went from like late late day three to like early day three though. Like he definitely yeah. like I still think he has the same issues at South Carolina as he showed at the senior bowl. Like he definitely had some like late balls. Like he would he would make the correct read and kind of stare at it. And I just the time from like him acknowledging this the correct read to actually starting his throwing motion, it's a little too slow. I don't know what it is. And I think someone made a joke, but I really do agree with it. It's not my original take that he needs to go see a therapist. <laughs> like it's it's like it's not like anything wrong with him it's just like it's no. just too slow to see seeing ghosts like just some something mental block there for him he also holds on to the ball too long and yeah all these guys were kind of not going to throw the ball uh out of bounds which is kind of i think just a college thing in general but he was definitely yeah. doing his same old holding on to the ball taking the sack um and just too slow with his reads but like he makes the read just pauses for like a full second like just just to start your motion yeah, it's always he's always been a guy who's it's it's between the ears. That's a problem. But I mean, like if we're looking at like like I even made a tweet today. If Bailey Zappi and Stetson Bennett get like can get fourth round capital, like I would not be surprised for somebody to take him and think they could at least work with the tools that are there. Because like yeah, watching his tape, man, the ball flies out of his hand better than like I don't know, man, like eighty percent of this quarterback class right now. Like it's just it just flies out of his hand. It's it, it, he definitely has the arm talent. You can see the pet why he had the pedigree he had anyway. But anyways, let's move away from the quarterbacks. Let's let's go talk about next position group running backs. I think it's sometimes 
hard in this kind of environment for running backs to showcase their talent. I mean, you've talked about it before. They're not really hitting each other. They're not really tackling. It's like contact balance is so important that that power, the play strength you want to see, the contact balance you want to see for guys to the next level. You're going to be dealing with that a lot when they're shoving you up the middle for those four-yard gains, five-yard gains they want to see. For here, for for this purpose, though, at, at, at this event, what kind of drills did you kind of think benefited the running backs the most where you kind of walked away thinking, okay, like I'm going to raise this guy because of how you, how he performed in this drill. So I didn't really say this on campus live. I'll say it here. Like Marshawn Lloyd did have some better routes. Like mm-hmm. for receiving I actually drills. saw that. I actually saw that quite a bit on, on the timeline that he was showing stuff. He hadn't necessarily got the chance to show at USC in that, in that aspect. Receiving yeah. Drills. I think someone interviewed and said that I want to give like credit to Nino. So I'm sorry if it wasn't Nino. I'm sorry. That I'm not giving proper credit to you on this one, but, uh, uh, yeah, where he was like asking him, like, what was something you wanted to work on to like showcase in the senior bowl? And he was mm-hmm. saying his routes, he couldn't really do that at USC, wasn't really asked to do that, but wanted to show that he could do that. So that was cool. Also, I commented on thinking that maybe he's smaller in person because the guy had skinnier arms. Dude's got some really big arms, it was actually way bigger. In person. <laughs> yeah, like, he always wore sleeve like those long sleeves at, while he was playing at USC, too. I kind of noticed that while I was while I was watching his film over a little bit about, uh, last week, and I wonder yeah. if that just kind of made it does his arms look slimmer or whatever. But yeah, I was I was actually surprised that he came in at 217. I was expecting like maybe not yeah. as, as low as you were expecting, but like 208, 209. Like I expected him to come somewhere around there, but 217, I mean, that's that was an awesome size for me to see. From and there. in person, he did look like a legit. 217 like he yeah a lot of that weights in the arm he got like long arms too anyway i'm wondering what his arm percentile is now all of a sudden anyway uh so he <laughs> stuck out um lob was like the only one catching like deep balls and like looked like he could run like actual routes so it hasn't happened yet but i'm waiting for like the austin eckler comps the whole fcs oh thing. that was happening all last week you were just there so you didn't, so you didn't see it that was uh, danny woodhead danny woodhead was another one that was coming I up think whole danny freaking woodhead, yeah. so yeah you know i i threw a comp out there nobody loved i was like maybe he's the evan hall of this class like that receiving work but what did, does he have like all the other stuff and then everybody hated it so <laughs> so like of course i gotta be the guy to bring like the low side comp everybody wants to hear danny woodhead or austin eckler like two unicorn udfas that are gonna like come out it's like that's what you're expecting out of lob i'm sorry to tell you that i just don't know if that's what's going to happen. But like a late day three pick that maybe he gets onto a team yeah. and gets, you know, some work. Maybe that's what could happen. With Marshawn Lloyd, I when I did look over his film too, I did notice like this ugly tendency to keep bouncing things outside. And I wonder, I yes. wondered how his play strength was going to look at at the next level as well. And it's too bad you didn't get to see a little bit more of, of that here from him. Um, but I know he was, I think he was voted the best practice running back for his team uh, on one of the sides anyways. One of the one of the faster running backs too, I, I believe. He hit like 19 miles per hour. Lob was actually the fastest at 20.5 miles per hour from the Zebra Technologies that, that are tracking. That was probably from his so. his go route that they made him run. They did the it, other receivers. Yeah, so best, he was definitely best hands for you, Dylan Lob. Dylan Lob had the best reps for like receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, I think you could probably say best hands. Um, yeah. But I think not Ray Davis, not Ray Davis, our boy. Yeah, Ray Davis was go. definitely competing for him for best yeah. hands. And you Long have him where? Grabs. Where do you have him now in your running back rankings? I think like four or five. Let me <sighs> see. I love four it. or five. I think he's actually, if I were to look at it right now, like uh, is that four? Probably put him above estimate, maybe lower than estimate. I don't know. I was talking to you before you left for the sh- for the senior bowl that I was actually looking over some of his tape. That some of that quickness had actually returned a little bit. I don't think he necessarily plays to his size a lot. And again, another thing you're not really going right. to see at that senior bowl a lot. But he did have some of that jitterbugginess to him back, some of the some of the lateral movement. So I was excited to hear that he was at least showing out there as well. It seems like that that pre ACL form is starting to come back to him a little bit, which is what we're seeing from Marshawn Lloyd now as well. You know, sometimes it just takes guys a while. The college programs aren't as good as well. These guys are both injury guys, so it's nice to see them kind of coming back into form here. Um, 
uh, at the senior bowl and from what we've seen this year as well. So out of this whole group, biggest riser for you. Um, Ray Davis has got to be in there. Like, I think he's a okay. locked fourth rounder. I don't think he's falling out of the fourth. Um, not too, I'm not like enough to say like third rounder for sure, but I think like fourth is the floor. A lot of these guys that really outperform my expectation, like Rasheen Ali only played half a day because he got hurt, but like he's looking pretty crisp and had this like, uh, probably saying the, the route wrong, but like a whip route, but kind of like in the middle of the field, not like, but like he like had like some good stuff there. He looked kind of bad though in punt returns, so there's also that, but yeah. Cody Schrader has some better footwork. When I was looking at it, I, I looked at the YouTube videos last night, like from the other angles. And I think I gave a little too much credit to Cody Schrader's movement ability. Like he definitely <laughs> has some nice footwork, but like, yeah. double, like a lot of double catches, which I just thought I didn't see when I was there. But when I was looking at the YouTube, I was like, oh my God, he's double catching a ton. Yeah. Um, yeah. He actually he was, double like, caught one in the game too. I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, did, like, three on a swing route. Yeah. <laughs> all, all yeah. Yeah. He's always been a guy that I think is just fine. I just think, I don't know if anything stands out to me about his game, but like he's got a little bit of receiving work. He's got yeah. some good vision within the middle. It's just, he's not super explosive. He's not super sudden. Like, I just don't, I have a hard time picturing him as anything, but like a depth piece at the next level. It's like, I don't know. He's going to need some, some very drastic circumstances, I think, to become like an actual fantasy. Yeah, I think a lot of these dudes are Isaiah Davis. The only one that has like a power back size. Dejon Edwards was yeah. he, he, in, like, also one of the highest uh, mile per hour, uh, Isaiah Davis as well, tw- over oh, 20 nice. miles per hour. So yeah, he does have a little bit of like a speed power element to him there. Yeah. I thought Dejon and Imani were kind of very forgettable, especially Imani. I'm sorry, bro. I don't even know if I heard Dejon's name like very much at all during the week. Like, um, Mikey Wiley, who was also voted the other running back practice player of the week. I yeah. thought that was interesting. Um, so there's that. But I, I thought he was fine too, not that great. He had an ankle injury this year, and that was like I kind of derailed him. But all these guys are like death pieces to me on the NFL roster, which you know how running backs always get hurt. So I'm not saying like they suck, like they can all get their chance and be the next Jerome Ford. So um, yeah. Yeah, so um, for Rasheen Ali's uh, injury, by the way, for anybody who's kind of a truther for him, it looks like it was a torn bicep, I believe. Something torn. That's what it was, too. And yeah, was he's looking one. at like a four to six month recovery. So his his draft cycle might be done, which is very unfortunate. I mean, you, for a guy who's like a G5 player, you kind of want to give him some opportunities to through the, through the combine yeah. and everything else kind of raise the stock. Very unfortunate blow for him there. Um Anybody here kind of make you do like a, a complete 360 on their evaluation? You came in hating them or you came in liking them and left just completely disappointed or or liked them a lot more? Oof. I don't think I was upright disappointed from anybody. Um, don't I, I just think Lob, Lloyd, and Davis were all like very clear winners. They all got like futures in the NFL, I think. Like even as their backups, I don't think they're like a one or two year guy. Like, I think they can stick around a roster. Um, I actually do think you see Davis, I, all three, I think you see those guys play on Sunday. I don't know for fantasy if they're like really starble assets, but I know though, I think you'll see them play each week. Yeah, to me, it did seem like, at least from some of the clips I saw and from some of the, you know, commentary I saw on Twitter as well, that Amani Bailey didn't really have that strong of a week. For a guy that I thought did show some stuff during during the season, you know, he was he was really well on the box score. Uh, when you looked at it, he was like top 10 in a lot of categories, like broken right. tackles, like 15-yard uh, yard plays, um, yardage, overall yardage and stuff like that. But like, I don't know, I felt like his feet, when I look back at him as well too, like um, some of his footwork, like he, he seems to stumble over guys a little bit way too too often for my liking and it just seems like some of that actually followed him to the senior bowl where guys were saying he wasn't picking the right hole and then he goes and shows out as like probably one of the best backs in the actual game and maybe he's just a gamer or something like that but it did feel like to me he was probably one of the bigger followers of this week for i mean 
it's not like he was very much expected of anything. Not like there was much expected of any of these guys, but at least in my eyes for a guy that I thought maybe had some Jalen Warren to him, uh, might've been a little bit of a faller for me from, from some of the stuff I was taking away. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think chasing the UDFA running back, it's always going to be super tough. So yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there. Um, all right, let's go on to the wide receiver group. Um, yes. this is probably the, the thing we like to see most here, right? You know, the one versus one drills where you're watching these guys, how they run their routes versus cornerbacks, how they run their routes, uh, in, in general, they're catching, uh, technique as well at the point of the catch, you know, they're, they're delivered a bunch of different routes as well. What was your general thoughts on the, on the one versus one drills this year? Like, who did you think stood out the most? Did you think that really the cornerbacks dominated or did you think there was one, a wide receiver there that really kind of excelled for you? The DBs definitely dominated. It's a really strong, like. Which is different from years past because we always yeah, say the no. wide receiver has the advantage. Like they usually do, especially these smaller guys that are kind of shiftier and whatever. Like they usually have the advantage in these, in these situations. Typically, you don't see a lot of like top 50 dudes come out of the, or guys that are already pre rated top 50 come to the senior bowl. Like they just kind of preserve the draft capital. Yeah. And I thought they had at least a handful of that. I, I was really impressed with the ZB group and the safety class and like, it's a really strong secondary class. So if your NFL team needs secondary help, this is a perfect class for you guys. Um, Tez Walker stands out. We'll talk about him later. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll, we'll start far, with some positives at least. Yeah, as far as the routes go, I think Lad Lad McConkey had the straight up sweetest feet. I mean, he was mm-hmm. just juking everybody out day one, and then day two, which isn't really talked about enough. So I'm going to really emphasize it here. Like DBs stopped giving him cushion. And he just couldn't stop them from getting into his frame. And when they got into his frame, like he was cooked. He just couldn't get free. And and like that was really the end of the rep. Like he just couldn't get free. So I dominated day like a phenomenal day one. And then a really mediocre day two and day three. Um, yeah. So we were we were actually talking about him a little bit before the show. Um, we were actually on with Colin. You did just filmed Campus Life, yeah, uh, with him or whatever. And we were kind of talking about him. That I actually noticed that in his table a little bit too. Again, last week I did kind of like a like a tape raid, looking at some of this class, especially the Senior Bowl guys. And uh, I didn't like how how physically he played. At least I felt like he kind of got bullied sometimes. I feel like if guys yeah. pressed him, that he yeah. didn't get off as well as I wanted to see. His route running crisp as hell. Like some of the best deceleration, some of the best changes of direction, like everything within the route, very good. But at the beginning of the route, and maybe even at the cat's point and stuff like that, maybe you want to see a little bit more physical play from him. So not surprised to see you say some of that stuff. And I was watching like Cam Kinchin is like my safety one in the class and he was going up against him, I think day one or day two, but he's a safety. So he straight up just gave like lad his like five yard cushion and he did some sort of short area route and, and caught the ball like five yards. And then Cam was right there to tackle. But it was just funny. Cause like safety mindset, they're like, I don't really care about the short play. So, <laughs> do not care. Um, so he stood out. Roman Wilson was really good too. As far as like footwork goes, because everyone's like, oh yeah, dude, he's got great. I I just thought he was the most efficient mover. Like, he wasn't mm-hmm. dancing, he wasn't doing anything flashy, he ain't doing that tank dell stuff this year. He got off the line quick, got to his break quick, was quick out of his breaks. He was just quick. He was quick. Yeah. And that was that was pretty awesome to see with reliable hands. So I know me and you talked about like we think he's a body catcher. I'm now convinced that was just JJ McCarthy's ball placement, so he had to catch it in that area. Um he was he was doing some pretty amazing stuff. One v one, Kenyon Mitchell, who's a DB from Toledo. Pretty sure he just solidified first round draft capital. Speaking of Kenyon Mitchell, by the way, dude looked bored. He looked straight up bored. He was bored and like he stuck around all three days. And I'm pretty sure, like I'm I'm super positive his agent was probably like, you don't need to play day three. I think the dude just <laughs> likes to play football. Like he's yeah. just there. Yeah. So um, Roman was the most efficient. I think 
I think he's yeah, I think he's great. And then um Ricky Pearsall, like no one's talking about him too much. Went home early, by the way. Like that's a really strong indicator. Yeah. Um got pushed to the ground and bullied to the ground, like both like his first two or first or two out of three reps that he had. But again, like really good separator. A lot of fouls were drawn on him, like so many. Like a lot of DBs were just straight fouling him. Uh, same with Brendan Rice, too. We can talk about that later. But those were the three guys that are like, they definitely have NFL futures. Yeah, and to credit some of the quickness you were even talking about, looking at these zebra technologies, Roman Wilson had the second fastest acceleration time and the fastest deceleration time. So, like, like he, he was the quickest out of his breaks and quickly to get back up to speed, that type of thing. So um, not, not surprised to see some of that moving, moving away from the one versus one drills in general. Like um, I know we can talk about a, a few other guys, but one guy I wanted to get your opinion on here a little bit was Brandon Rice. Like he felt like he was a little bit of a riser through the week and not because of he showed something he didn't have. Maybe he just put himself on the radar more with some of his physicality and whatever. Like me and you've been following for a long time. So we've been yeah, watching him yeah. a little bit. We knew what his game was about, but I felt like people actually got to see it here a little bit. I don't think he's a refined route runner. I don't think no. he does a lot of a technical technically. I don't think he's very refined, but you right. saw at least some of those traits that we fell in love with, which was, you know, the catching the ball uh, over guys, really good hands. And, you know, some of the explosiveness as well, credited with the third highest mile per hour time by the zebra technology. So what were your overall thoughts on him and kind of like as a riser this week? Yeah. I, I thought he was in that role of like really unrefined athlete. Like, yeah. Had a lot of wasted movement, like really chopping those feet, like for no reason. Like no one's getting fooled by it. But like it was yeah. still kind of cool how fast <laughs> he chopped his feet, I guess. Yeah. Um, which was pretty pretty good. But again, like definitely like one of the at the catch point. I mentioned Ricky Pearsall getting fouled a lot. He drew a lot of fouls himself too as well. So I thought he was like athletically like looks like he's very good, and then he has pretty good ball plays too. There was like sometimes though, like day one, eleven v eleven, Sam Hartman threw this like. This floater, like sideline ball, like just and he and he got there. And when he looked, for, like I don't know, I think he just assumed the ball wasn't coming because he like it was throwing anticipation. Like, he wasn't even close to like separating at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But that ball was so perfectly placed, and like he just didn't extend his arms. Like just you know, elbows tucked in, hands out. It's like, dude, extend your arms, and you would have gotten it. So for the most part, though, great receiver play. That really kind of annoyed me because I was like, that was like, you just had to give like a little bit more effort, you would have gotten it. Um, I also wanted to say too, because I didn't talk about it as much. Malachi Corley was also kind of a winner. Um, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, like I think my question is coming in. Like he's F, he's F. No, excuse me, he's G five. Can he hang? And I didn't really like his yak ability, upright runner. And I'm like, is can this even translate to the power five level? Um, no, he looked good. Like as far as like short and breaking routes, like those were really money for him. Like he he definitely was very consistent at winning those. It was like the long balls and the perimeter stuff where like ball tracking clearly wasn't that good. Um, wasn't okay, very good yeah. at separating on the straight line routes. Almost, dude, he's the polar opposite of Troy Franklin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually did want to get your opinion on Corley because I do. I was reading some of that and that he was struggling a little bit more down the field, um, which yeah. is part of his game that we didn't really see that much at at Western Kentucky either. He was def- definitely more of a manufactured touch guy, short guy, you know, uh, a right. yak guy there as well. And we had to see if some of that would would translate. I like to see that he came in at size. You know, he was like what, 215 15, pounds. Yeah, so he came in real yeah. stocky, which I like to see that. But I am still concerned about how he how he goes. In there. I don't think like for me. Like even to call him a riser, like I don't think he answered any questions here. That for me personally, that well, I, that, I had, that him I had. As like an early day three, and I moved them yeah. up to like 
third round, like end of third, maybe yeah. a little bit higher. I, I, I think, think like, he, he's going to go round two. I think I think there's enough buzz there that wow. he will, that he will. I mean, not round two, day two. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The ceiling for me though, next level, like if like, like how the chiefs use Rasheed rice, I think he's built for that now. Like I, I, I'm now like, I'm not worried about him translating his NFL corners to the short area. I think he I feel like that, that's generous. So. I feel like that's a little generous. I didn't really think Rasheed Rice was built like that. I was kind of surprised. No, but I felt I felt like Rasheed Rice had more of a vertical element to his game. That we have seen a little bit at least. Yeah, I'm talking about like Rasheed Rice, the pro, not the prospect. I think as prospects, they're very different. But like how they're using Rasheed Rice was pretty amazing. Like I don't, I never saw them doing this to Rasheed Rice. This was yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. Uh, another guy that had uh, quite a bit of buzz coming or throughout the week, anyways. Um, ex Alabama wide receiver who played for UCF uh, transfer there. Yeah. not really getting much going on there. Mr. Javon Baker. Uh, when I looked into his profile a little bit, definitely seemed like, like remember how last year I talked to you, how about Dante V and Wicks and how like he was generally used as a vertical guy. There wasn't a lot of short usage there. And he really excelled in yes. that type of role. Like Javon yeah. Baker is like the, the Dante V and Wicks to me this year, where like he was kind of used in a very similar role. Did you see anything else from him there that kind of made you want to raise him in your grade or, or make you like him more? He wasn't used to vertically here. I mean, they're kind of like half field type stuff. So I guess that yeah. kind of makes sense. Um, no, I just thought he was like a really good athlete, really unrefined. Uh, him, Flournoy, Rice, and like Leggett were just like better athletes. All in that category, yeah. Unrefined, yeah. Good play strength. Um, did you see that? Did you see that uh, rep I put on Twitter, which like 400 likes on it? 1v1. Who bait the Baker rep? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, the dude was backpedaling the debates and the comments. That was not a good route, right? Like it was like the little he did a little jump, which is not good because if you get jammed, like if you're you're on your ass, if you get jammed at that point, the little jump at the start of his route, and then he like I don't know why the DB lost his footing, but he did, and then he had to double catch the ball. Anyway, it, it's unrefinement, and I thought both those dudes lost the rep. I mean, the DB and the wide receiver both lost the rep, but. uh He's just an athlete, a lot of double catching, just, yeah. yeah. He did have, like, looking at his numbers, too, he did have, like, a a high drop rate, which kind of, like, surprised. for someone that's, like, kind of viewed as, like, a uh, a vertical threat and something you expect to have some good hands the way he was used, like, he does have, like, a 12% drop rate. So um, maybe his hands kind of showed himself to you there a little bit with all the double catches. But and continuing this kind of conversation, guys, are kind of were maybe a little bit disappointing. Let's talk about some guys um, that were kind of followers for us. Let's, let's hit right at the top. Mr. Devon Tez Walker, Tez Walker, the guy everybody was pretty excited for coming into the senior bowl was getting those first round projections coming into the senior bowl as well. Can't help but feel like he lost a little bit of money here. Uh, seemed to be getting open. At least he was clocked with the highest offensive player time at bowl, which I think is a credit to like what we see with it. What we saw with his athleticism, what we saw with his fluidity is the ability to get open at times, but for some reason he couldn't bring in any freaking ball here. I don't know if it was in his head about it. Didn't seem like it was that much of an issue throughout his career. Um, but I mean, pretty small sample size at the power five level. And then the rest of it was kind of at G five at, at Kent state there. So what were your kind of takeaways from Walker watching him this week? Yeah. I, I, he went from like potential virus or two for NFL offense to like a field stretcher slash death yeah. piece. Um, he noticeably couldn't handle the physicality. Which I think I noted too. I'm not sure if I noted with you on on a show or with Barnabas, but like his bad games this year were like Clemson, who has like high level DBs, NC mm-hmm. State, who actually does have one stud DB, and I think like the third one was also another team that has like a randomly good defensive back on the team. Um. So anyway, he got locked up, and not even by like 
like mid-level DBs. Like they're not even like upper-level DBs. He got locked up pretty easily. And then on like as far as like his hands go, double catching when his hands are free. But even like when his other hand was tied up, like I know there's a rep in the game that they saw, but it happened quite a bit of practice too. He just Ew. couldn't corral the ball in with one hand either. Like it was, it was bad. And like you said, the silver lining, he still got the speed. And yeah. like an NFL team can look at that and say, well, we can at least use him as a field stretcher. Maybe we got him at a discount because we really liked him ahead of time. So we'll grab him the third round. Worst pace scenario, he's a role player. Like, like. And, you know, maybe he can yeah. get a lot more out of him. But he was clearly a huge winner – or loser, excuse me, huge loser. Um, and went from, like, making, like – went from making millions to, like, a couple hundred. That I don't know. It was so bad, and I felt bad yeah. for him. There's still some post-senior bowl mocks that I'm seeing where he's, like, a second-round pick or, like, a, still, like, a top top okay. 60 guy or whatever. So it seems like they like, – Whatever that uh, they're not letting the senior bowl get into him too much, I guess, right? I mean, some guys just get in their head or whatever. Like, it still seems like the NFL likes him for whatever reason. Like a lot of the reasons that we talk about too, like some of the fluidity or whatever. But it, it can't help but be just when seeing him come up here against some of like the better competition and and kind of failing in this way a little bit. So I'm still hoping that he was just kind of in his head a little bit. I still got some yeah. hope or whatever, but it's hard not to drop him a little bit. I know that I, especially from some of the reports I was getting from you, which you know you're a source that I trust. I I couldn't help but drop him a little bit as well. So. So uh, definitely a guy who lost a little bit of money there. Um, let's talk about Mr. Xavier Leggett. Already came okay. in a little bit, already came in a little bit undersized to this thing. Uh, for most reports, had a bad day one, cleaned it up day two, maybe kind of finished. Oh, also, the- real Go quick, ahead. bro, the pronounce the correct pronunciation of his name, he corrected us there. Pronounce uh, Xavier Leggett. Oh, e- emphasis on the E. Okay, Xavier yeah. Leggett. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, kind of, apparently kind of finished the, the the um the week strong there, but from what I could read and read between the lines a little bit, it seems like some of the some of the worries that we had kind of showed themselves a little bit. You know, not a yes. lot of technique in his routes. You know, more he was winning more on being an athlete and out athleting at everybody than actually winning with technique. And I mean, when once he got into some with some other guys with good technique, he couldn't really separate the same way. Also had strangely the second worst miles per hour time of all the wide receivers. Only Anaya Smith uh, was, was less than him at, at 18.8 miles per hour. So like when I say that I re- related him to a discount trail on Burks and everybody freaking hated it. Like maybe this guy comes and underwhelms the, what we think is going to happen at the combine as well. And those comparisons even start to line up even a little bit more. So like, I don't know. I'm still feeling that, that comparison that there might be something here. We saw the way Burks has struggled to kind of adapt at the next level. Cause he was a guy that won a lot of these ways too. Um, and Xavier Leggett's the fifth year worst version of that. So I mean, I mean, it's, it's it's a horrible profile. There's not a lot of excuses. I mean, people want to talk about the quarterbacks. He was a former quarterback, switched to wide receiver. He played wide receiver in high school. Everybody stopped talking. He played switched to cornerback in his senior season. He still played wide receiver in high school as well. And we've seen transitions like that happen. And those guys make the transition way faster. So, I mean, there's still a lot of things. There's a lot of problems wrong with this profile that I can't exactly give context for. And this, this, this week kind of backed it up. I agree that he's still like a, a tantalizing prospect with a lot of traits that are interesting. I was more impressed with the juice than I thought when I when I saw him there. I was more impressed with some of some of this um, the yak ability as well. But I this guy's still like a round three, maybe even round four guy to me if I was grading him. Oh, I think it's lower than that. But I oh wow, so you you came away really unimpressed. <laughs> I, I thought he couldn't turn at all, and even like yeah. his hands for like like his jump ball type stuff was bad. Like. There's 11 v 11. I think it was 11 v 11. Could be 7 v 7. But Michael Pratt was throwing, and he did like a little out route, like a short out, and he had like Michael Pratt again throws these balls that are like only where the receiver can get it. Like you could throw a little bit lower, 
but like pretty much throws him like an, a high ball to like extension grab, like attack at the catch point. And he just, he goes up for it right through his hands, just right through his hands. Yeah, and it was bad. And then I thought it was pretty cool. The coaching staff they called the same play and he got it the second time. But like stuff like that did happen kind of often with him. So he can't turn. He's a build up speed runner, and I think that's fine when you're talking about a running back. I don't think that's fine when you're talking about a wide receiver at the league. Um, so. Yeah, he's he's certainly a project, and I don't think they're going to invest heavily into him. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, for some of the other guys that were here that were kind of getting some hype throughout the week, uh, Luke McCaffrey coming from from Rice, um, <laughs> uh, John, Johnny Wilson at FSU. You know, uh, these are guys that we haven't typically been high on throughout their careers. Um, did anything change your mind while you were there? No, Luke. Luke got a lot of a lot of um he got a lot of extra help and he just couldn't really like, there's these, like these curl routes are doing it's a drill and they're like, keep on like, yes, that could be explosive, you know? And he's doing the same thing and he's not being more snappy and more explosive, but he's like trying, giving all this effort. I'm sure he's a great interview too. Um, but he clearly was like outclassed mm-hmm. um, and just couldn't make adjustments the way the coaches were trying to ask him to do. So I, I thought he actually had a really terrible week. Uh, he had like some really good plays. Like I'm talking about like the second half of like the last day, he has some some nice catches um but but yeah no he he was pretty bad all week i don't like i he was bad he was bad. <laughs> and mr johnny wilson i hear was getting some reps with the tight ends at one point which i honestly think is his best route for any type of success at the next level i'm not saying that he will have success at the next level but i just yeah. think he's too big and lanky to be a wide receiver and he's maybe not stocky enough to be tight end, but I still think like that's probably the best route. And maybe he's only a situational piece that'll catch like freaking two catches a game or whatever. Like, like you know, we we saw we saw who's the guy with um, Elijah Higgins, the wide receiver from yeah. Arizona last Miami. year, or my yeah, um, yeah. yeah Arizona. Who, or, I mean Stanford. Stanford sorry, Stanford, Stanford. Now yeah. with, now yeah. with uh, Miami. Yeah, and now with Miami, and no, with uh, Arizona actually. He made some catches. He got drafted by Miami, ended up with Arizona oh, somehow, got okay. released, I guess, okay. or whatever. He made a couple of guys. Like, that may, might be the type of role we see for Johnny Wilson. I do think that he's a, a – for his size, he's probably a fast mover. So, like, I could see him succeeding as a receiving tight end. I just don't think he has all the other skills to kind of back it up. Like, So, what was your take on him kind of throughout the week? And there's a lot of people kind of hyping him up a little bit. And I just uh, – I don't know if yeah. they're hyping up the right person here. <laughs> Uh, John Arrington would call him flu- a fluid mover <laughs> <laughs> for his to size. You gotta add the for him. Yeah. You gotta add for his size. Yeah, for his size. Anyway, what was your line? Uh, you gave me. You gave a nice line. What was it? With pre-show? Oh, it, it's like you know, it was World War II. They they roll out a new battleship, and they're like, yeah, it's the it can turn. It's the better turning battleship we ever got. It's still a battleship, guys. It's yeah. still a battleship. It's <laughs> yeah. not turning. It's yeah, yeah. So he's he was fine, dude. Uh, he was tall. That was his best attribute. His best trait yeah. was being tall. The, some of the was, pictures, he was just like so much freakishly bigger than that wide receiver. Group. Yeah. yeah. As far as like working with the tight ends, I think that was maybe two drills max. He really wasn't working with them the way Higgins was last year. Yeah. Um, so but I still do agree. I think that's his best route. Even if he didn't like have a good, you know, like he's not stocky enough. I think that's still his route, the next level. Um, but no, he was just tall. He was fine. Um I do want to like pivot though to two other names. I think we're, we're almost hitting all of them now at this point. But uh, yeah, it's okay. It's the, it's the most important Thrash. group position at the at the senior bowl, I think. Jamari Thrash, I think I underrated his performance. Um, I was reback watching some of the like the YouTube from different angles and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I, I actually do think he was a better rapper than I gave him credit for while I was there. Absolutely, yeah. Um, 
I don't think he's a superb athlete the way some of these other guys are. So like he really does have to have like the perfect route to create separation. He's not like a, a negative athlete the way I think we look at David Bell nowadays, but like he's, and, and he's not as soft as I thought. So I think he's a little bit better in all those categories. I still just think he's a death piece. Maybe, maybe a rotational guy. Yeah. Um, but I think I was a little bit harsher on him. And then Marcus Rosemey Jackson was actually like sticky hands up until mm-hmm. like, up until the second half of the last day, I think him and Luke McCaffrey just switched sides. But like for the most part, like he wasn't getting open, but he was such a reliable guy when you got the ball in the right spot. Like his hands were very sticky. So um not someone I think is really a fancy asset, but you could do worse than late rounds of an NFL draft. Rosemi Jack Saint was the guy on the receiving end of that beautiful uh rattler pass that that he had there. Um that kind of capped off his day that that sealed his MVP performance there. And he is a guy that like, you know, the senior bowl prides itself on, on saying, you know, we find guys with traits sometimes it doesn't matter if they're full of box score or, or full in the box or it doesn't matter if they put a bunch of production. Like we look for guys with traits and I do think it was, I still think it was kind of weird that he was invited in the first place, but like, I even remember talking to Austin, like when he was a freshman all the way back in 2020, I believe at this point now, like I thought, yeah. He was one of the more technical wide receivers in the class. I thought he was a great hands catcher. He has a like 4.59 time 40 as a recruit. So okay. I was, I, I am kind of, interested. I, I don't think he's the most explosive guy or whatever. He's probably going to excel mostly as a possession receiver. If he does excel at the next level, but like if there was one player to say, you know, make you do a complete 360 on their evaluation. Like he was kind of that player for me because like I came in with like no expectations, like, almost like literally zero after seeing nothing there. And then to see him actually perform well, um, you know, catch that nice touchdown, show off a little bit during the week. He's he's a guy that I think probably at least earned day three capital, whereas coming in, I didn't know if he was even going to get drafted. Yeah, yeah. And then like the last few guys, I don't think, I think there's only three guys I haven't talked about was Jaquan Jackson and Aya Smith and Jacob Cowling. Like yeah, all three of those guys play themselves in the special team roles. So of all this group, taking everybody here, who were your just top three performers, Senior Bowl? You have to give them a rankings. You're ranking one, two, three Ugh. of your favorite guys of the Senior Bowl. Who's your top three wide receivers? I think Roman's got to be one. Nice. Okay. Roman's got to be one. Like, really mm-hmm. efficient mover. The speed wasn't on display. We'll see at, like, the combine, see what he does. But I think once – if he does come out as, like, a 4-3 guy that's, like, he was at a high schooler, I think that adds another tool to his belt to be a field stretcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to go to Ricky Pearsall. I just think oh, I think okay. his routes were good too. Here's the thing with Lad, because I want to put Lad higher. He had the sweetest <laughs> feet. I just, I just like when he got people got to his frame, he just shut down. So I, I, he went from like this guy could be a really special slot to like he could be probably a really ordinary slot yeah. at the next and, level. And there's an element of there that he came in as expected, right? So even being one of your top three performers, I kind of understand it. If, if all he did was kind of just like ride the line, you know what I mean? Like he didn't flash a crazy amount, but he didn't disappoint either. So like even just riding the line there. So who, who would you give to your third spot then? No, Lad would be the third. I, yeah, oh, you would the, give it to Lad. Okay. The, the footwork all... was just phenomenal. I can't go any lower than that for him. I just, I just didn't yeah. like how he was losing of the, the second half of the week. Yeah. I think I would agree with that for, for the most part. Um, the only guy that seemed to get more buzz, at least, uh, from my point of view was Jamari thrash, at least as a performer this week okay. alone for a guy who made money, it seemed like Jamari thrash might flip slip into that third spot for me, because I think it came in probably as like, in you know, a potential really late round draft pick, like six, seventh round, like whatever. But I think he kind of at least put his name on the map and at least made people want to go and maybe look at more, look at him more. And they're going to see some things that, you know, I kind of liked within his profile too. And then even exploding coming into the power five this year. Like, I think. 
I think he's a guy who could potentially see that like maybe late day two is kind of lofty, but early day three, you know, as a fourth round draft pick, like, I don't think that's out of the realm possibility for him. So he's kind of a guy that I think, you know, would slip in there for me. And then, yeah, like one and two um, for me would easily be um, Roman Wilson. And then probably, man, probably lad. I'd probably have to put, Ladd I think that's fair. Well. I think that's yeah. fair. I'm just, I just, yeah. No one's really talking about how he started losing. Everyone's just kind of focusing on day one. Uh, yeah. I do want to make this, this quick note real quick for everyone. Just if you guys, if you guys are just this is your first update for the senior board. Jordan Whittington was a no show. I have no information on that. Oh, I so forgot about him. Up. Yeah, I forgot yeah. About him. And Jawar Jordan from the running back class was also a no show. I have no yeah. information on that. He's a nobody, anyways. No, he's not a nobody. I'm sorry, I don't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he's like a UDFA, anyways. I don't think he did anything special. But yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, last position group here. This is obviously the the hardest one uh, to evaluate for fantasy purposes. The tight end position. Um, I think we came in probably uh, thinking that uh, Kansas State tight end Ben Sinat could uh, be a guy that could, you know, in contention for the tight end three of this class. I saw some mixed reports about him, you know, kind of struggling a little bit at times. But then yeah, he was also yeah. voted the all practice week offense uh, at tight end as well. The second guy, Theo Johnson, we'll talk about a little bit after, will um, actually won uh, the first spot there. But Benson on, what were your takeaways from him, at least from the year? Do you think he's still in, in contention for that tight end three spot for you? Uh, you might need to double check me, but I thought Jared Wiley won it instead of Senate. I might have to double check that, yeah, but I, okay. I, that's what I have here anyways. They're yeah. both purple. It's kind of hard yeah. to get them. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, ben, ben had a lot of drops. A lot of drops. Day yeah, one, yeah. day you two. Day three was a little bit better. Yeah, I thought he had some pretty sticky hands for a tight end. Um, walk-on guy, like high character, talked to him, loved him. Um, got to interview him. I asked him, like, dude, do we expect Will Howard here next year? And he said, probably not. He'll probably be too good to come to this place. Oh. So, <laughs> that was pretty tight. Um, uh, any reason to drop a Will Howard positive? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So he was a walk on, but I, I thought he really kind of struggled. I didn't think any of these tight ends stood out. Theo Johnson was the surprise riser for me. Um, not consistently, but like he's still a flash athleticism. What we saw as like a as a as a high schooler coming in, like our hopes, yeah. like he kind of flashed that type of ability here. And I was like talking with Colin. I was thinking maybe like he was thinking about this the way Anthony Richardson thought about his uh declaration, where he was just like, Well, I can't get the coaching that I want here, so I'm gonna go to the next level. And I thought if that was the case, getting the senior bowl invite was a blessing. And um, I, I thought he really showed some versatility out there. Yeah, no, he's a guy that I've kind of been following. You know, I even put a, a Twitter, a, a tweet, I guess. not. What is it called now? An X? An a, X post. A, post. a post. Yeah, <laughs> I put a yeah. post out there. Um, that I thought Theo Johnson could be kind of like a climber. Because he is a guy that like, even in Debbie rankings, we always still kind of just like slipped him in there at the back end or whatever. Like, you know, this yeah. guy is very good athlete, you know, coming from high school. And then he is still in that Penn State conditioning, uh, strength conditioning program. So it's like, he's probably going to test well. Um you know, building on some of those numbers that we saw as a recruit, I think it was like a four, six, 40, hit like a 37 inch vertical. So, you know, seeing him at like a four five and like a, like a 39 inch vertical is not out of the realm of, of possibility to me. So I think that he's, he's somebody that is going to come in with no production, but possibly end up as like a day two pick, you know, around three pick around four pick, you know, these Titans are, they're so hard to, to really, to really play somewhere. Sorry, that is my alarm. I will shut that off. Um, Mr. G Mr. Jaheim Bell, though. I feel like I, I saw people talking way too much about uh, Jaheim Bell. Some even oh, calling really? him like a like a day two pick and stuff like that. Like, I, yeah. I just don't – I don't think that he's – he is one – 
I don't think he's further enough in either direction as a tight end or as a wide receiver to really be that. I think he's going to fall off as a tweener. Um, some people want to say John Smith. Some people have said Chico Conquo. I've said Marcel Reese. If anybody remembers that old tight end fullback from back in, from back in the Raiders, he had a good career. Actually look up his numbers. I would not think that that's out of the realm possibility for Jaheim Bell, but like I'm still on like a, a round three trajectory here. I mean, a day three trajectory here for Jaheim Bell. He just didn't stand out. Like it's hard to like say like any of these guys had a bad day because none of them really did. Just but none of them absolutely stood out. Jared Wiley had like an awesome one handed grab like day one, and then like we never saw him again do anything really that special. Jaheim Bell like same thing. And honestly, two people day one were getting Jaheim Bell mixed up with Johnny Wilson because the same gold home with the same similar <laughs> yeah. build or I guess bigger frame. Um. So. Yeah, I, I actually didn't see anyone talking about him for the Senior Bowl. So it's interesting. you said you were seeing him get talked about this past week. Yeah, a lot on Twitter. Yeah, he was getting talked about. Wow. I, I, I put a tweet out there. I was like, guys, let's um, not calm, not let's calm down. But I was like trying to set some realistic expectations by by comparing yeah. him to Marcel Reese a little bit and saying like, guys, there's this guy's a tweener. This is a hard hard position for him to succeed at. Yeah, the size he's at right now. Yeah. So I no, I really I honestly like. I don't have any real helpful answers for these tight ends. These dudes stood out. Uh, Brevin Spanford has some nice blocks. Um, Theo Johnson is the best athlete. Barner, too. But, like, these guys were dropping balls all the time. All of them. All of them were dropping balls. Some some good grabs. Routes were kind of, The routes are really funny because you watch the receivers do the 1v1s, and then the tight ends will work in there, and you just see the difference and the crispness of the routes, you know, in the, in the game speed of the routes. And I think it's yeah. pretty hilarious. Um, but, Yeah. Yeah, that essentially wraps up why we don't really give a shit about tight ends that much. Because, I mean, all these names, I mean, Theo Johnson could get drafted in the third round, and nobody has been talking about him for the past, like, two years. And that's just the nature of the position. Guys just come out of nowhere. Sometimes it's like you rely more on the freshman profile than you do anything because they might not do anything throughout their career or to, like, their fifth yeah. year or something. So it's really hard to even to even uh, place these guys at places during their college career anyways. Brennan Strange I, got like drafted in the second last year. It was weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, think, I, I really wish Dallin Holker had gone there though. I'm surprised that. I do too. Was. I just, I still don't know, dude, but now like, I don't, Senate was like my tight end three and now I'm, I don't really care anymore. Yeah. About my Some of those catches Holker makes, I mean, we're going off topic here anyways, but I, I could definitely see him as like a tight end three in this class. If someone just wants to take that jump and see, you know, what they could get out of him. But anyways, I think that about wraps up. Any last comments here on the senior bowl i know we had a really nice tight end emergence this year this this past year which is pretty rare um there were i think 15 was it 15 last year 15 tight ends drafted last year that's a very high number actually so anyway even though i'm like a little bit cooler on these guys i do like i do think these guys have potentially be drafted way higher than i expect them to be i think that's really about it oh one tight end note tanner let me get this name up Tanner McLaughlin from Arizona was also injured, so he never showed up to this thing either, by the way. Same with Jalen Wright. He was also injured. So I did the no-shows, but those are the two injuries. Jaylen I forgot Wright, about Jalen Wright. Everybody was running back calling him a potential riser, yeah, at the running back. He was the only true junior, actually, to even go to this thing, and then he didn't even end up going. So, Yeah, I'm on the special. Offensive, offensive true junior. I actually don't know about the other positions, but at least for our purposes, he was the only true junior I knew of <laughs> that was actually going to go into this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for joining me and Corey. That was the Senior Bowl kind of recap there. Um, From Corey and from Mike, good night and good luck.